Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to the Lifescaping for the Believer podcast, where we focus on beautifying and enhancing the life that God has given you. There's so much more for our life on earth than just receiving a ticket to heaven. Though that's the best part, it's not the only part. See, Jesus said in John 10 that he has come so that we would have life and have life more abundantly too. It breaks my heart that the world already has enough bystander, uninformed Christians. So let's change that and start making ripple effects in the kingdom of God and receive God's best for us. And that starts today. Enjoy the episode. Make sure to drop me a comment, a like, and a share. I love you guys. Let's dive into the word of God. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so glad you're joining me tonight. Well, it's tonight for me. It may be morning for you. You may be on your way to work. Whatever it is, I'm glad you're listening. Today is going to be a great episode. It's the first part in a series that I'm launching called The 10 Benefits of Obedience. And there's probably way more benefits, but these are the top 10 that I think should be hit and talked about. And it's important for us to know these things and just dive into them, get our hands dirty, and really get to know the Lord on a new level, on a deeper level, on a more intimate level and in a much healthier space. If we're to grow, if we're to start making ripple effects in the kingdom of God, it's got to start here. All right, my name is Dylan Stevens. Again, thank you guys for tuning in. Now, today, we're talking about the 10 benefits of obedience. And if there's one thing for sure, is that obedience seems to be, sadly, a wavering... I'm not even going to call it an aspect. It's it's just a... It's sad. I see a lot of Christians who walk around defeated because they don't even realize that they're not walking in the abundance of a healthy Christian life. It's just, it's rampant. And the Western culture of Christianity is to take the easy way out. It really is. And Western philosophy tells us that Jesus saved me, but this life is going to be hard. And There's so much more to it than that. There's such a deeper level that you can go to and a higher level that you can attain, I promise. That's what we're going to get into tonight. What are the benefits of obeying an almighty God? Abba, Father is his name. Let's get right into it. Tonight, I'm probably only going to be able to cover the first two, really, because there's a lot to unpack here. And so I hope I can do it justice if you are liking the broadcast, please be sure to share it with a friend. Give me some feedback. Leave a comment. Leave a like. Leave a share. I would love it so that way more people can hear the gospel being reached and ripple effects can begin to take place. Number one. This is a big one, obviously, because it's number one. And I'll also say this. It is literally the foundation for your Christian walk. Now, I heard... Um, a good friend of mine, not well, a good friend of mine once say that everything is level at the foot of the cross. And that is a very true statement. But that is not where you are left once you become a Christian. The cross is the starting point and it is the pinnacle. It is also the climax and it's also the most important part of our Christian faith. Do not get me wrong. But once you become a Christian, once you are saved by grace through faith, through the blood of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, once that is your faith uh, belief, you move forward into an actual relationship. It's 
your Christian faith is not just a reflection of what Jesus did. If that's your constant state, then you're going to live in a everything's already been done mentality and I'm just waiting to make it to heaven. And that's why people walk around defeated because what is there for today? Where's the power? Where's the presence of the Holy Spirit? Where is the 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 action taking place? In? Where is it all? What's, what's actually happening? We can't just live a Christian life with our mind constantly in history. We have to move forward for what God has for us today. There are benefits out there. So the first benefit is the foundation, and that is the remission slash forgiveness of our sin. That is the biggest benefit of obeying God. When you answer the call, when you accept the invitation to receive salvation and you are restored back to the Father, meaning that you recognize your need for a Savior, you see the sin in your life, you see that you can't make it to heaven on your own, you see that you are broken, and you receive the blood of Jesus Christ over your life, and you surrender your life, that is the first benefit. And it is a huge benefit because it's what, it's what unlocks eternity for you. But that's not where it ends. That's only the first of ten. The forgiveness of sin is the starting point. It's the foundation. Now, Matthew chapter 7 paints us a pretty clear picture. Jesus says it very clearly. He says this, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rains fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And the rock is Jesus Christ. Vice versa, And everyone who, does not, who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Rains fell, floods came, winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great fall. This has to be the starting point. Everything is level at the foot of the cross. Every person, no matter how great or small the sin in your life was or is, Jesus Christ will accept you into the family of God. His blood covers your sin. 1 John 1, 9 for he is faithful and just to forgive our sins if we confess him as Jesus, as, as Lord and Savior. And it, it doesn't get any more foundational than that. This is the starting point. These are the top 10 benefits of obeying God. Now, Ephesians 1.7 says it even a little bit more clearly. If you do have your Bible and you feel like following along, I would really encourage it because it's great to be able to read this stuff for yourself and actually see it unfold in front of you. Highlight it, write it down, take notes. It's a beautiful thing to do. But Ephesians 1.7, it says this, In Him, Jesus Christ, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us. Now, here's a very important thing to know, and I'll talk more about this as we get into this and I talk about our second one, but grace is way more than a blanket for sin. It does not just cover our sin. That is one of its main proponents, is it covers sin. It overlooks sin, it overpowers sin, it rids us of sin. Grace, that is a very primary um, uh it's a primary, I'm not sure the right word to use there, but it's one of the primary motives 
that grace is for. But here's what grace really is. All right. I had a pastor tell me this a long time ago. He said that grace is your power and your propellant. It might as well be gasoline. But it's no good unless you have faith to be moved by it. Faith is your vehicle. Grace is your fuel. If grace did nothing but cover our sin, why does scripture say that Jesus was full of grace? Now, he might be the one pouring it out, but he had no sin. So if he had no sin, why did he need any grace? Jesus was full of grace. It's what propelled his ministry. It's what propelled him to the cross was his grace. He was empowered. Grace is an empowerment. It is literally the fuel for our faith. And it literally does not get any more simple than that. Ephesians 2.8. This is another great verse, and I absolutely love this one. It says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith. Grace is the propellant. Faith is the vehicle. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift from God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. If all you have is faith, you can work, 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 and work, and try to make it happen on your own. You can push that vehicle as far as you want, but eventually you will keel over. And just the other thing, if all you have is grace, it'll fall through your fingers if you don't have something to be moved by it. God wants to fill you with his grace to empower you to move in the faith that you carry. God pours out the grace, you carry the faith. That is how it works. If you don't balance those two things out, then you can't move forward after you have received forgiveness of sin. Now, I'm talking about the foundation, right? This is the first benefit. Every Christian has a responsibility. Now, the, the, one of the first sermons that Jesus ever gave was uh, the, the Beatitudes, And the first thing he ever said was, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, what does that actually mean? Literally, it, translate to, it translates to, Blessed is the one who recognizes their need. Their need for what? Their need for a Savior. Once you come to that place and you do receive the forgiveness of your sin... Moving forward means being empowered by the same grace that rid you of that sin. And I have a question for you. What if, really, really think about this. What if you took scripture for what it actually says? What if we took scripture literally? And I already know there's people out there, well, you can't take every word literally. Some of it's metaphorical. Some of it's poetry. Some of it's, isn't that, some of it's prophecy. Okay. When, it's, when you can't take it literally, search for the literal meaning. I heard a wise evangelist say that once. When you can't take it literally, search for the literal meaning. Jesus did that all the time. He used metaphors, he used parables, but he always had a literal meaning that was for you to take action on. And I say that to say that dealing with sin is one of the most important things that you can do. And scripture is very clear that you will not enter the kingdom of God in eternity if you do not deal with sin. You have to receive the, the free gift of salvation, but you have a supernatural responsibility to stay alert. Do not be caught sleeping. In Revelation, it says that half of the body of Christ will be caught sleeping. Oftentimes, he, is referred, he refers to the church as the bride of Christ, and he says that the bridesmen, the bridesmaids, half of them were caught with their lamp burned out, a.k.a. they were sleeping, and they missed it. Do not let sin sneak back up in your life. It can. 
Once saved, always saved is a very dangerous thing to believe in because that gives you free range to abuse grace. And Paul is so clear about that, that if you abuse grace, you're abusing eternity and you will not enter the kingdom of God. Even Jesus himself said that many, which means this is reality, if we're taking it literally, many will say to me on that day, when we all see Jesus face to face, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name? And Jesus will say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. Now that is a very heavy reality. Forgiveness of sin is the first benefit of obedience. But guess what? Obedience has to be a continuous thing. You have a supernatural responsibility to stay in tune with that revelation of Jesus Christ and grow. And the beautiful thing is that the more that you dive deeper into the intimacy with Christ by grace through faith, the desires to sin will fade out of your life. I'm telling you because I know that firsthand. There are sins that don't even cross my mind anymore because of the relationship I carry with Christ. And it is, it is, it's an abundant mindset. It's not a, a scarcity mindset. So, that's number one. The one of the the best, by far, the best benefit of of obeying God and and acting on the call of salvation is the forgiveness of sin. That is the number one benefit of obeying God. Number two. Well, you know what? I, it's just not coming to me. I do have another scripture I wanted to read. It's in Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles, I think it's in chapter 7 here. Give me a sec. I'm going to make sure that it's here. I mean, it is here. Just got to make sure. Ah, here we go. 7 verse 14, it says this. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. Now, what a mighty promise that you can hold on to in the year 2022. That is, let me read that again. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves, pray, seek, pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their land, forgive their sin and heal their land. That is that is a mighty promise. There's a lot packed into that. But guess what? You have a supernatural responsibility to do something here. It's not just, Lord, thank you for saving me, and boom, he pours out all these things. It says, humble yourself, pray, seek my face, and turn from your wicked ways. There's four requirements there. Now, yes, this is in the Old Testament, but it still reigns true. Obedience is key. You cannot abuse the grace that God has poured out on you. Hmm. That's number one. And I may unpack more as this continues to unfold, but let's move on to number two here. The second benefit that I believe wholeheartedly that comes with obedience in God is what follows immediately or what should some it may not happen right away I do think that sometimes it does take time for it to unfold but in many cases it's one of the most immediate things that I believe should be pursued should be sought after should be investigated on some level should be at least a curiosity 
Because the Holy Spirit will work in this way. Once you are saved, the second benefit of obeying God is receiving the Holy Spirit. Or in other words, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and receiving the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, there is a lot I can unpack in this. There is a ton of different doctrine out there. There's a lot of controversy out there, but I'm going to leave it in the Word of God. I'm going to read from the Word of God what this is, and I'm going to tell you what I believe, and I want to share experiences about it. But at the end of the day, the Holy Spirit leads and prompts each of us closer to Him. That is the end of the day. The number one thing that God is after is an intimate relationship with you. These are tools that impact your life, the world around us, and the relationships around us. And God is a relational God. So why would we not take advantage of every resource that's out there? If we don't take advantage of the resources that God gives us clearly laid out in Scripture, then we are not doing our Christian walk justice. We are not obeying God to the fullest extent. We're not receiving the best that God has for us. And this was where I was for a long time. I just, because I grew up in a certain church that believed a certain way, I never really investigated for myself. But when I got into the word and read it literally, and when I couldn't read it literally, I searched for the literal meaning. I found that being baptized in the Holy Spirit, receiving the Holy Spirit as an intimate friend and an intimate powerhouse and empowerment, and then receiving the gifts of the Spirit, this is what lit my path on fire because the Holy Spirit is literally the fire that gets behind every movement throughout the entirety of Scripture. Every great story you hear, it's always divine intervention from the Holy Spirit. Every anointing, every prophecy, everything is backed by the Holy Spirit. So you're going to sit here and tell me that it's hard-pressed to say that all of a sudden the Holy Spirit stopped acting in that way just because Jesus came and left. The Holy Spirit is still here, still active, still doing miracles, and still baptizing people. All right, let's get into Scripture, right? Acts 2.38. This is a pinnacle Scripture. This is a very important Scripture. And I'm going to get there in like three, two, one. Mm. Okay, I'm there. Acts 2.38. It says this. And you know what? It's important to know this. This is right after Pentecost, which means that the Holy Spirit showed up for the first time in this way where it literally lit every single person on fire that was in the room with the disciples, okay? Acts 2.38 says this, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. Boom. That's what I just talked about, the first benefit, but it continues. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, I didn't say the gifts. said the gift. Singular. The Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So right there, plain as day, it's literally saying the Holy Spirit baptism is for everyone. When you do receive the Holy Spirit in that way, Right after getting saved, or if you've already been saved and you never received the Holy Spirit baptism, it is not difficult. Ask the Holy Spirit to come into your life and ignite a fire within you, and He will show up. By And the laying on of hands is a, is a very crucial part. But, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit 
is I believe he's referred to as the comforter, number one, but he is also referred to as fire, the fire of God, the fire of the Holy Spirit. It is what ignites the movement of God's hand. It's what carries out God's will here on earth. The Holy Spirit has free range. When you allow him to to be activated by your faith, the Holy Spirit will move in mighty ways. And it's from the intimacy that you have with Jesus Christ that the Holy Spirit gets to broaden in your life. More begins to happen. More develops. More overpours. It says in scripture that our cup overflows by the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to get into the gifts of the Spirit briefly. I just want you to know what they are because it's important to know what they are. If you don't even know what they are, how how are you going to use them? I'm just now beginning to develop my and understand the potential that I have with certain gifts of the Spirit. And I believe that every gift of the Spirit can be used by every person. But some of them may be a specialty. Some of them may be ones that just happen ever so often. And some you may never encounter in your life. But that doesn't mean that they shouldn't be understood and explored. And it's in 1 Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter 12 is the chapter that talks about spiritual gifting and what the spiritual gifts actually are. So I'm literally going to read it. I'm, I'm just going to read chapter 12, at least half of it. Okay, it says this. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Hmm. Interesting how most of America is uninformed when it comes to spiritual giftings and what it is to walk in the full potential and the full power of the Holy Spirit. If there's one thing I've noticed is that not everywhere, but in most places, the power of the Holy Spirit is not at its full potential. In fact, there's not much evidence for it. There are devout Christians, there are faithful Christians, there are Christians who would die for, for Jesus Christ, who would, who would happily give their life, but the power, the evidence of the workings of God are not at the level that they should be. And why do I say that? Well, let's keep reading and you'll find out. I do not want you to be uninformed for you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. So literally, Paul starts off by saying when you don't, (laughs) when it concerns the spiritual giftings, being uninformed is one of the worst things you can be. It's one thing if you read scripture and you're adamant against it because you try to back it up with different scripture and things like that. But if you're uninformed, you are leaving yourself, hear me, you're leaving yourself vulnerable to every attack of the enemy for doubt, for darkness to creep in, for false, you know, for for literally for idol worshiping clearly from what Paul says. However you were led, you were led astray to mute idols. That's literally what he's saying. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one says Jesus is Lord except through the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is what leads you into all truth. That is Scripture. The Holy Spirit is one who empowers you through truth to 
to create the ripple effects in the kingdom of God. If you're not operating in the power of the Holy Spirit, you will not see your full potential ever come to pass. That I do believe. You'll do everything in the flesh. You'll operate and do everything by the world's standards. But God's standards are always higher and better. He goes on. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of services, but the same Lord. There are varieties There are varieties of activities, but in the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. I want you to understand and hear the verbiage that Paul is using. He is not saying just the disciples. He's not saying just the chosen. He's not saying just those who were at Pentecost. He's not saying just the people who are in who who lived with Jesus himself so let me say it again to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good for to one is given through the spirit the utterance of wisdom to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healing by the same spirit to another the workings of miracles to another prophecy to another ability the ability to distinguish between spirits another various kinds of tongues to another interpretation of tongues all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who who apportions to each one individually as he wills okay So what do we have so far? The gifts of the Spirit are this. A word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, special faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, interpretation of spirits, and interpretation of tongues. Those are the gifts of the Spirit. Now, when I was growing up, I thought the gifts of the Spirit were love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, as the song goes. But those are the fruit of the Spirit. Those are... Literally, the effects of being a Christian. Those are the results of being a Christian. Those are literally just things that pour over out of us because we're saved by grace and we're a new creation as Roman, as the book of Romans calls us. We are new creations. That is what the fruit of the Spirit is. It's literally what what replaces our fleshly desires. That's the fruit of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are literally attainable actions, things that can only happen by the Spirit in the supernatural. They cannot happen by the flesh. They cannot happen in the natural, which is a word of wisdom, which is giving giving special insight into someone's life to direct them closer to their calling, closer to God, something that only they know, something that only God knows that is specific for their calling, their life closer to God. That is a word of wisdom. It's what encourages and builds somebody up out of an overpouring of the Holy Spirit's insight. A word of knowledge is something that nobody knows except the one person in God and is something that you that you that you speak on and it could be something bad that you are countering by the Holy Spirit. It could be something good that you are calling up by the Holy Spirit. So a word of knowledge is when you is when the Holy Spirit gives you insight into someone else's life and you are to supernaturally act on it, and you are to call it out for what it is, you are to rebuke it, whatever it may be, but the Holy Spirit leads you and prompts you into that word of knowledge for somebody's life. Special faith. Special faith is the next gift, and that's literally when you have um, massive faith. This is literally the only way to put it, where a lot of the world does not have the kind of faith that they may say. And faith is a very tricky thing, because like I said, it's a vehicle. 
So special faith, as, as Scripture says, says to another, the working of miracles, prophecy. Oh, hang on, I missed it. To another, to another faith by the same Spirit. So when you have the gift of special faith, you literally have the gifting to to put faith in front of people. It's when you have the ability, the gifting of the Holy Spirit, it's not your ability, excuse me, but when you have the gift of special faith, you can bring people along. You're literally a leader in faith where you give people a supernatural target to put their faith on. Your voice is heard by generations and your voice is heard by a lot of people when you have special faith because you can literally get people to attach themselves to a vision, to God's vision, to his will. That is what special faith does. It's what calls people up to a higher calling. Uh, gifts of healing. That's the next gift. So gift of healing is pretty self-explanatory. It's whenever the Holy Spirit literally empowers you to heal the body, to heal the mind, to heal, you know, literally anything that can be healed. Gifts of miracles, literally when, when the Holy Spirit gives you the ability to bring forth miracles. And that's pretty self-explanatory. I mean, a miracle, something that cannot happen in the natural, it's purely supernatural. Prophecy, which is meant for the encouragement and the building of the body of faith, which is when you prophesy over the future, prophesy over somebody, and you call them deeper into their calling. But it's usually foreshadowing and forthcoming. Interpretation of spirits, knowing the difference between good spirit, bad spirit, God's army, you know, the enemy's army, and interpretation of tongues, which is the supernatural language, and you can interpret it into a knowable language. So, a whole lot that I just tried to unpack there very quickly. There's a lot more levels to it, but that's just like a bird's eye view, looking down, understanding that, wow, there are spiritual gifts out there that we can operate in. And when you operate in them, you level up. You level up and your, your, your audience of impact grows. And that's what's important. If we want to create ripple effects, we cannot just do it ourselves. So what are some ways that you know if you're operating by the Spirit of God versus yourself? Well, if you're yo-yoing in sin, then you are not operating in the Holy Spirit. And that is a hard pill to swallow because that is where I was. When I say yo-yoing, I mean... You're not doing, you're not sinning in the same way for a couple months and you go back into it and then you, you, you look back at the same thing you shouldn't have and then you get out of it a little longer and you're operating in the flesh. That is as plainly put as you can put it. But when you operate in the spirit, the fleshly desires literally die off. Let me see if I can find the scripture that I was. I know it's in Ephesians. I'm going to find it real quick. I'm going to do my best to find it. Oh, right here. It's actually in Galatians. It says, but I say walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Wow, it doesn't get any more simple put than that. So you know you're not walking in the Spirit if you are yo-yoing in sin. Doing good, doing bad. Doing good, doing bad. That is not walking by the Spirit. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. And these oppose each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the workings of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurities, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like this. I warn you that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Okay. So, let me slow down a little bit. Number one way you can tell if you're not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit is you're yo-yoing in sin. The second way is if you are... <clears throat> I'm trying to put this... I'm trying to say these things kindly and encouraging because that's the most important thing that, that I believe anyone who is speaking should do is encourage one another. But another way you know if you're not walking in the Holy Spirit is if you are not living up to your potential. As in, you know you are called to more and yet you find yourself at the same dead-end job maybe or yet you find yourself depressed every day or yet you find yourself struggling with the same bad relationships with people there there are things and i talked about this in a former episode a very basic level of obedience is relational obedience so you need to detach yourself from things that are keeping you back the flesh and you need to attach yourself to things of the spirit that is when you start to walk in the spirit and those are the top two things that i believe can set you apart when it comes to recognizing if you're walking in the spirit okay there should be evidence there should be fruit of the spirit there should be fruit in your life and real quick, fruit of the Spirit and f bearing fruit are two different things, but we'll talk about that in the next couple of days. Now, <clears throat> over the last half hour, we've talked about the first two benefits of obedience. The remission slash forgiveness of sin is the number one benefit of obedience. When you obey God, you receive the free gift of salvation by grace through faith, not of your own works. But you also receive the holy the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When you walk, excuse me, when you accept the invitation, you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit, meaning that the Spirit is now walking in communion with you everywhere you go, and you are empowered by Him. You can communicate with Him directly. You can you can hear from Him. You can, I mean. The list goes on. And you also receive the gifts of the Spirit. And that takes time to develop. Just because you receive the Holy Spirit does not mean that your gifts are just pouring out all over the place. They can, and it does happen to some people, but you have to do diligence. You have to know Scripture. You have to know what backs up your spiritual gifting. You have to know, you know, there's a, um, uh, oh, geez, what's his name? O.R. Roberts, o, uh, Oral Roberts was a famous healing pastor, famous healing um, minister, pastor, and he was known for his gifting of healing and his teachings on healing and all kinds of stuff. But you know how his, how his ministry started was a hatred for sickness and disease. He hated it with a passion because he was sick for a really long time. And the Lord pulled him out of it, and so he devoted his life to the gift of healing because he knew it was his calling. And you saw it overpour in his ministry. So, so what is it that makes you sick? That's how you can really start to get to the bottom of what God may be calling you to do. And that's just one way for an example's sake. But begin to take the supernatural responsibility of understanding and getting to know your spiritual gifting. All right, I think that's all I've got time for today. Guys, I hope I did this this episode justice. No, I'm not perfect. There are a lot of things that the Lord is still teaching me, but I want to get these things out there because if you don't even know they exist, then how are you to act on them? 
All right, follow me for more because these are the first two. I'm going to do eight more benefits of obedience. The next two you're not going to want to miss because one of them is my absolute favorite as far as uh, what really brought me closer to the Lord and my understanding of it. And the other one is just, it's a ton of fun. You're going to love it. So stay tuned. The next episode will be released shortly. This is part one, 10 benefits of obedience. Thank you guys. Let me pray for you and we will be out of here. If you're listening and you're able to, I want you to put your hand over your heart. Do it. Trust me. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, to every person within an earshot of my voice, I pray that you would ignite the power of the Holy Spirit within their life right now in Jesus' name. By the blood of Jesus, we are saved. And I pray the Holy Spirit would be activated by grace, through faith, in each of our lives. You have called us to a greater purpose, and ripple effects are happening all over the United States, all over the world, and we want to take on the supernatural responsibility that you have put on each of our hearts. So right now, I pray for direction. I pray for discernment to know where you are calling us, to know where you're calling each and every one within the earshot of my voice. We love you, we praise you, we thank you, and we ask all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.